Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Thank you for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon at the Pearl River Resort Studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sportsbook, Golden Moon Casino. Learn more about them online at pearlriverresort.com. Love to hear from you on the Ceasefire text line at 601 879 4395. Ceasefire, customer inspired. We certainly thank our friends at Seaspire for having us yesterday at the Seaspire Connerly Trophy presentation. Fun show yesterday. Really uh, enjoyed that. It was great to catch up with Charles Davis. Uh, once again, always good to talk with Jim Richmond and uh, a really fun interview with uh, Buki Watson and uh, Frank Gore Jr. at the end of the show yesterday. And uh, we have Patrick Shegog coming up a little bit later this afternoon. The Connerly Trophy was awarded last night to the quarterback from Delta State, Patrick Shegog. Um, in his fifth year at Delta State, finished the regular season with a program record 44 total touchdowns in 12 games. He accounted for over 2,600 passing yards, just shy of 700 yards rushing, with just two turnovers in 300 pass attempts in the season. A really nice uh, acceptance speech from him last night, and look forward to talking with Patrick coming up in just a little while. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Glad to have you along for the ride. What a cool win last night for Patrick Shegog after the season that he had and his team had at Delta State. No question. I mean, this was a year where, where a small school player could win this award. I mean, when you, when you look at the nominees, Juckins had a good year, but it wasn't as good as he was last year. Watson had a really good year, but it's tough for defensive guys, especially on teams that don't finish with winning records. Gore had a good year, not as good as he had last year. So this this really opened up the window for, for Sheag, and he, he burst right through it. So and a very, very deserving winner, in my opinion. He got my yeah. vote. Yeah, and, uh, you know, certainly a debate to be had as to whether or not everybody nominated the right player from their school. Could have... Uh, could have been, you could have seen a difference in the uh, in the outcome of it, but that's how it goes. You would have. You, you think so? You think if Jackson would have Dart had been nominated, he would have won it. Dart would have gotten my vote if I had if if, if he had been eligible to be voted in. Yeah, and, and no you're ha- you're, you're having. I saw some of the reaction last night. People uh, who who love their favorite player uh, were not thrilled about it because 
And, and there, there's merit to this, right? If you put Nathaniel Watson in Division Two, he would be an absolute menace beyond comprehension. If you put Quinshawn Judkins in Division Two, he would be a menace beyond comprehension. They would have special, special seasons. But isn't 44 touchdowns to two interceptions really, really special, almost beyond comprehension? It's outstanding. I, I mean, that, that's kind of... When you say that, well, it's Division Two. his numbers are so special that you can't ignore that either. I, I, I found myself really having a hard time sympathizing with those that, well, it's it's not the best player because the best player clearly is at the SEC level. And it's like, I mean, I, I hear you, I, I hear you, but 44 touchdowns to two interceptions, including six touchdowns in a playoff win, is special. It is absolutely special, and I cannot bring myself to disagree with the decision last night. I can't do it. No, no, I don't, I don't think you should be either. And the truth is, when a Mississippi State player wins the award, you have fans of other schools that are like, what a joke. It doesn't matter. When an Ole Miss player wins it, you have fans of other schools do the exact same thing. And you're going to get that with a Delta State player winning the award. But Patrick Shegog, absolutely deserving of that award. And, uh, again, just tons of humility in his uh, his acceptance speech last night. And uh, we look forward to that conversation. In fact, some news just popped about Patrick Shegog as well. He is a finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy which is the Division II Heisman for, for all practical purposes. And I would think a, a very good chance to, uh, to win that award as well. So we'll see how that all shakes out, but uh, look forward to visiting with Patrick coming up in, uh, in just a little bit. It was a busy night last night. As we were finishing up on the air, Mississippi State was beginning its basketball game on the road uh, against Georgia Tech as part of the ACC-SEC Challenge. And then a little after 8 o'clock, you got started with uh, Ole Miss hosting NC State last night in college basketball. And, oh, by the way, there are some great, not good, but great games that are coming up tonight uh, as part of that event, including Tennessee at North Carolina, Duke at Arkansas, I don't know if you guys saw the pictures or not, but uh, students in Arkansas camped out, and it was cold last night, camped outside of Bud Walton Arena just so they could be in line to uh, get in for that game coming up tonight. you got Texas A&M at Virginia happening tonight as well. So some really good basketball uh, on your television. Hey, that Mississippi State did something last night that they had not done all season long, and that is play poorly. Mississippi State just did not play well at all. And they got popped pretty good. Lost uh, 67-59. They were down 13 at the half. They actually outscored Georgia Tech by five in the uh, in the second half of the ball game. But it was just not Mississippi State's night on the hardwood last night. I mean, you say this season, but I mean, going back for the year plus now that Chris Jans has been here, I would think that's maybe the worst effort I've seen out of Mississippi State. Just did not look prepared to play. Uh, looked like a team that 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 wasn't out, wasn't mentally into the game uh, from the start. And Georgia Tech, who I don't think is a very good team, I think we'll come back in, in in March and say that was a bad loss for Mississippi State. Really played well, 
and, and Mississippi State just wasn't able to answer them at any point. Trailed the entire second half, never really made it a close game. And uh, now, yeah, they've got a loss and they've got to bounce back. State shot 31% from the field and 23% from behind the arc. They were out-rebounded, not by a lot, but by a couple, and they had one turnover more than uh, Georgia Tech had in the ballgame. Only, I guess there are three players in double figures, including Josh Hubbard, who again came off the bench last night, played 30 minutes, and scored 17 points. DJ Jeffries was in double figures with 10 points and uh, and six rebounds. And also, Deshaun Davis had uh, a double-figure scoring night uh, last night for uh, for Mississippi State. But it was uh, it was a tough one all the way around for uh, for Mississippi State. A little bit different story last night in Oxford. Um, there was maybe a little bit of a I don't know maybe a little bit of an emotional boost before the ball game uh, as Chris Beard let his team know that Musa Cisse had been ruled eligible after the appeal uh, by the NCAA. He did not play in the game last night, did go through pregame warm-ups, but he is going to be available to Ole Miss going forward. But even without him playing in that ball game, Ole Miss uh, never trailed. They never trailed in the game to NC State last night and got a 20-point win at home. 72-52 was the final. Uh, Rebels jumped out to a pretty early 13-point lead. NC State went on a run. They cut it to five. It was 20-15, to 15, but that was as close as they ever got. Ole Miss had four players that scored in double figures. Jamin Brakefield had had a really difficult start to the season. He was averaging five points a game through the first five games of the year. Last night he had 25 points and eight rebounds. Uh, Alan Flanagan had a double-double with 15 points and nine rebounds in the game. He also had three assists. Um, I'm sorry, 15 points and 10 rebounds last night. Uh, nine of those were defensive rebounds. Uh, they got 12 points out of, <coughs> excuse me, out of Matthew Morrell. Uh, they got 12 points last night out of Jalen Murray. It was just a good performance all the way around. And, uh, Ole Miss really got off to a hot start in the second half, put, uh, put NC State away. Had a pretty good crowd at the pavilion last night. Uh, there was just a lot of good. And, and I don't think, Borky, that was your fishy line yesterday. Um, you, you said this doesn't make sense. NC State is 4-1. and one. They've played good basketball. Ole Miss has played a bunch of close games. They've won them all, but, you know, against not necessarily great teams. I don't know what NC State is. They were an NCAA tournament team a year ago. they got a bunch of transfers on the roster this season. But Ole Miss played far and away its best game of the season last night. No doubt. Confident as well. And, and mm-hmm. Breakfield, so... He hadn't been that this season, but at the end of last year, and I said this on the podcast last night, um, a lot of people stopped watching the end of last season for Ole Miss basketball, and I don't blame a single person that did. But Brakefield was really good at the end of last year. I mean, he really scored and played well in in SEC play a year ago. And so you you kind of figured that that light was going to come on eventually, you know, new coach, new system, all that. The confidence that he played with last night, he's not going to go 8 of 12 every night. I mean, he may never do that again. But the confidence where where he was decisive. I mean, he made really good decisions, attacked the basket, got to the free throw line, made shots. But most importantly, their defensive activity. I mean, nine blocks and seven steals yeah. last night. And their, their uh, fast and break only points... only turned it over seven times. Only turned it over seven times. Their fast break points number is misleading. 
They really got out and ran and had fast offense and kept NC State on their heels because of how active they were defensively. It was a very fun game, to like a fun style of play they played last night. It was very fast. Ole Miss gets Memphis on Saturday at the Pavilion. Who's up next for Mississippi State? Hey, Dad. Southern of, of Baton Rouge. Southern University. Sunday. Sports Talk Mississippi. Hey, it's go time. Sports Talk Mississippi. Well, say something. Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, hey, Mom, said the way you move will make you sweat, will make you groove. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. We got the uh, college football playoff rankings last night after, uh, after we went off the air. And let's talk about them uh, a little bit. There were some changes. There were some things that stayed the same. And let's just look at it. Georgia stays at number one. Michigan stays at number two after their win last week over Ohio State. Washington moves up one spot from four to three after uh, their win against Washington State in the uh, in the Apple Cup. Florida State moves up a spot from five to four. That's after the Seminoles last week um, beat Florida. Oregon moves up one spot from six to five. They are eleven and one. They beat Oregon State last week, and they've got a rematch with Washington. They're only lost this year coming up in the uh, Pac-12 championship game. Ohio State drops four spots. They go from number two to number six after a close loss on the road to Michigan. Forgive me, that is ridiculous. I'm sorry. Like, I know they're really good defensively, and I know they went to Notre Dame and won because on the last play of the game, Notre Dame only had ten players on the field, but they won. And they beat Penn State, and it was kind of (laughs) ugly, but they did it. Ohio State in front of Texas right now. Help me. Help me. What? Why? What are they doing there? I mean... You got to put the resumes side by side and decide which one's better. And do you think the Pac 12's better or do you think the Big 12's better? I mean, Texas went to Tuscaloosa and won. They did. They absolutely did. Ohio they State also... lost to a coachless team. Well, kind of. Um, Texas they, also they technically had, had a coach. Texas's loss is to Oklahoma State in a rivalry game, or excuse me, to Oklahoma in a rivalry game, an Oklahoma team that's currently number 12. Ohio State's one loss is to Michigan, who's currently number two. But we all have eyes, man. Yeah. The, the resume matters, absolutely. Texas's, I think, is better. But we, we've seen Ohio State kind of slog through their schedule. And then they got beat by Michigan again, where their offense with those weapons looked inept. Again. And yet, here they are at number six? Texas stays put at seven. Alabama stays put at number eight. Missouri stays at number nine. Penn State rises one spot from 11 to 10. 
Ole Miss moves up one spot from 12 to 11. Oklahoma moves up one spot. LSU moves up one spot. And Louisville falls to number 14. So they drop four spots from where they were ranked last week after their loss to Kentucky. So let's just stop there for a second. The the 10-2 and teams, you got four of them grouped together, and then Louisville, and then Iowa at number 16 is also 10-2. and But the 10-2 and teams that we're focused on and that most people are focusing on are Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, and Oklahoma all at 10-2. and And the order of those four teams did not change. Missouri State at number 9, Penn State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma all move up one spot. But you've got those four in a row. And again, you most likely have Ole Miss on the outside looking in at a, at a New Year's Six game because of the order of those four teams. And the reason for that, and we talked about this yesterday, is that the Orange Bowl will get an ACC team. So they will either, if there's only one ACC team in the top 12, they will get that team. If an ACC team, Florida State, is one of the four that is part of the playoff, then they are still guaranteed an ACC team. And so that means that Louisville will likely fill that spot. Which means there are only 10 spots left available because you also get an automatic qualifier from a group of five, and that would be Tulane as the highest-ranked group of five team at number 22, Liberty is just two spots behind them. And so you can bet that Liberty fans will be cheering for SMU this week in the um, in the American Conference Championship game that's being played in New Orleans. Missouri, Penn State, Ole Miss, Oklahoma. Is that the right order for those four teams? No. I guess. I, I, I can't. I mean, at this point in the season, like the margins are just so fine for me. Like, I, I just, I don't know. All right, so, so what do you do if the margins are fine? What do you do? Do Lean you on just resume. result to an eye test, or do you take the resumes of those four teams and lay them out without a team name on there and just start comparing the resumes? Which do you do in that scenario? That's what you should do: is lean on resume, especially when these teams haven't played each other. I mean, Ole Miss and Missouri haven't played. Penn State and Missouri haven't played. You know, so what What can you do? You, you can lean on the tangible. That's why I hate this debate so much. The same thing with Florida State yesterday. You've got to lean on what has happened. The things that you know, that, that you can touch and see, as opposed to, well, this team... I mean, here's how stupid the Missouri thing is. Missouri's ahead of Ole Miss for, I, I, for one reason. You know what that reason is? They lost to Georgia by less. That's why. But Missouri lost. I, I, I would actually argue it's a different reason. I think it's because Missouri looked the part down the stretch, and it's when their losses came versus when they had a stretch where they won three or four games in a row, which but, is what they did at the end of the year. I watched them play Florida, didn't you? Yeah. Was I that did. impressive? Look, they, but no, it wasn't, but they beat Tennessee, Florida, and Arkansas three straight to close out the season after a close ish loss to Georgia. Right. But. They lost to Georgia by, what was it, 9? By 9, 30-21. That's a lot less than what Ole Miss lost to Georgia by. That's Vanderbilt correct. lost to Georgia by less than Ole Miss. So does that mean Vanderbilt's better than Ole Miss? But Ole Miss beat Vanderbilt by four touchdowns. That's why that all of that's so stupid. What does your resume say? 
What is your strength of schedule? Who did you beat? And not when did you beat them? Who did you beat? And I don't I don't know why there's there's anything else that people want to bring into play here. I can't stand when people bring up, well, who would you bet on? People lose bets all the time. What are you talking about? Who would you bet on? Who would be favored? All right, so so what's good about Penn State's resume? Oh, a dominating win over Iowa at home. Okay. So they beat Iowa 31 to nothing in week four. They lost to Ohio State and they lost to Michigan. Both of those were single-digit losses. That's a good defense. It's not a very good offense. No. And Michigan ran it, what, 32 straight times? They did. They absolutely did. All right, what about Oklahoma's resume? What have they got? Well, they've got a win against Texas, which is better than any other win that those other three teams have. They have a loss to Kansas and a loss to Oklahoma State. I mean, I would argue that Oklahoma's resume is better than Penn State's. I'd hear that. The losses stink, but I'd hear that. Yeah. That Kansas loss is tough. That's tough. It is. It is. And, you know, Kansas got off to a hot start once again this year, but they kind of stumbled down the stretch. And then when you look at Ole Miss, I mean – Yes, you're looking at the lopsided loss to Georgia. Okay, 52-17. You're looking at a a 14-point loss to Alabama. Those are the two losses. What are the wins that stand out? Well, they have a win over Tulane. I understand that Michael Pratt didn't play in that game. Tulane has one loss this season. Just one. That's not the only game that Michael Pratt didn't play in. They have one loss this year. It was to Ole Miss. And it was a 17-point loss. And you can dig into the box score, yeah, well, it was closer than that, but we have a scoreboard. And we dig it into the box score exactly the way it unfolded in those other games. And then Ole Miss has got a win over LSU, who might have the Heisman Trophy quarterback on its team, and who beat Missouri at Missouri. Yep. So the fact is the overall resume for Ole Miss is the best of the four. But if you wanted to convince me that Oklahoma's resume was better than Ole Miss, I might listen. Penn State's is not, and Missouri's is not. Nope. And if you if you dive into the, the metrics, strength of schedule and strength of record, Ole Miss is better than those other three teams by a pretty significant amount in those categories. So, we'll uh, we'll see. But but look, the only hope at this point for Ole Miss is that the committee does exactly what we just did very briefly, is that they decide who the four teams are going to be in the playoff, and then they take the resumes of the remaining team and teams and they really go through them and they determine that, hey, th- this doesn't really make sense that Ole Miss is behind Penn State. And what Ole Miss needs is to move up one spot. They need to be 10 or better in the final college football playoff rankings to get to a New Year's Six Bowl, or they're going to the Citrus Bowl. So you get to hang out with Mickey Mouse and probably... Talk Mississippi. Here we we go, go. Super Talk Mississippi.
Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. If you were with us yesterday, you know that we were live from the Connerly Trophy presentation at the Country Club of Jackson. Show finished up a little bit before the uh, award was announced, and we are happy to have this year's Connerly Trophy recipient uh, with us on the radio. Patrick Shegot, quarterback at Delta State, uh, fifth year at, uh, at Delta State there in Cleveland. His acceptance speech last night, he said, wow, y'all bear with me. My heart's about to beat out of my chest. Patrick, have you calmed down a little bit since uh, last night? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a... Uh... It's getting a little better. Good for you. Congratulations. What a uh, a well-deserved award for you. Uh, just kind of take us through what it means to uh, to be named the best college football player in the state of Mississippi. Uh, still crazy to think about, uh, you know, just being a kid from Mississippi, small town, Batesville. Uh, got a lot of rich history uh, football-wise in Batesville and uh, just being another guy that uh, – came from there and uh, did some with his life, it just means a lot, uh, you know. Can't really put into words. A couple of weeks ago, we had your head coach, Todd Cooley, on, and, and we talked to Mike Kennison, the athletics director, as well, and they were just glowing uh, in the way that they talked about you, and it really didn't have a whole lot to do about what you do on the field. That, I mean, that part of it kind of stands on its own. They talk to us a lot about who you are away from the field, uh, kind of the, the type teammates you are, the type students you are, the type person you are. How does it make you feel to, to hear that, the, the, the coach and the athletics director kind of speaking to that part of, of who you are as a person? Uh, just being somebody that's a joy to be around in general is just something that I take pride in. Uh, just being a good person, that's like I said, I take pride in it and, when you hear other people brag on you for uh, being a good person, it just—I mean—it shows you that it's it's paying off, and uh, that's just the type of person I've always been. I was raised right, and uh, you know, that's just a testament to my parents. Yet you say that, and and you recognized your parents last night, your mom and your dad, for uh, for the way they raised you and kind of being there with you every step of the way. What have they meant to you? means everything they uh past couple of years they've been at every single game and uh you know win lose or draw it doesn't matter uh the support is always the same uh when we lose my mom just makes sure to let me know to keep my head up because she knows that i gave it everything i got and uh same thing with my dad uh the support means everything and not even just include well including them and uh other family members you know just trying to shine a bright light on the shegog name and uh you know just trying to make everybody proud give everybody something to be proud of visiting with patrick shegog on the farm bureau guest line check out favorites.com and go with the home team at mississippi farm bureau patrick you mentioned at the start you know, just a kid from Batesville, Mississippi, and and we know about South Panola High School, South Panola football. There have been so many players uh, that have come out of there that have have gone to to Ole Miss, to Mississippi State, to Southern Miss, to Delta State, to junior colleges, to Alabama, to all all over the place, and a bunch that have gone on to the NFL and and been stars there as well. To have your name kind of permanently etched in the legacy of South Panola football, that's got to mean a lot, given how much South Panola means 
to the community there in Batesville. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, football is pretty much all we know in uh, Batesville. And, uh, you know, just growing up, being a kid on the playground, I wanted to be like all the people that uh, I, I watched play on Friday nights. And then eventually my time came, and I was one of those guys. And then it was time to go to college. And, you know, just by the grace of God, I've been able to continue to perform and perform well. So your career at Delta State, it's been a good one, and you're over 9,000 yards, but it hasn't necessarily been easy, right? I mean, so so you started as a true freshman, and then you, you break your collarbone early in the season your second year, and then there's no football at all your third year, 2020, that crazy COVID season, and then you kind of come back and, and settle in for for the last three seasons as well. It's, in some ways, it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. Oh, yeah, no doubt. So uh, after breaking my collarbone in 2019, uh, we had the COVID year. Uh, so I, I pretty much missed two whole seasons back-to-back, back, and that was a long time without football, just a bunch yeah. of practices. And uh, I was excited to finally get on the field in 21. We started off 2-0, I believe, and then we went on like a five-game losing streak. And uh, in that uh, streak of games, I ended up hurting myself again and had to miss even more time. So for the longest, I just – I questioned a lot of things, just being injury-prone and whatnot. And uh, one of the biggest things for me last year, uh, I was just so grateful to be able to make it through the whole season without uh, having to miss any games. And then again this year, that's probably the thing that I'm most grateful for, just being able to be healthy and uh, play the game I love. You know, with the way that the the D2 playoffs work, you a lot of times get rematches in the postseason of what you had. That happened with the first-round game against West Florida. That was the only regular season loss. You guys avenged that in in pretty dominating fashion. You had beaten Valdosta State in the regular season, come up short this past weekend. Just a... I mean, I know the season as a whole, you're, you're disappointed when it comes to an end, if it comes to an end short of winning a national championship. But you got to be proud of, of the way you and your teammates played throughout the course of the year. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Uh, this season was probably the most fun I've ever had in my life. Um, you know, we played against a really good team. Well, we play against really good teams every week with the Gulf South and uh, – the games last Saturday, it was a really good, really good game. Uh, we came up short. They ended up making a few more plays than we did, but you know, that's in the past. I'm still, I wouldn't, after the game, yeah, we cried a little bit, but, uh, after I got those little tears out the way, I was just smiling because I was just proud of my team and everything that we did accomplish. All right, so we got the news just a little while ago that uh, you are a finalist for the Harlan Hill Trophy as well, which goes to the most outstanding Division II player in the country. Uh, I know I'm, I'm asking you a lot of, hey, tell me how this feels, but, I mean, that is as significant an award as there is at the Division II level. We're talking about the entire country there. T- tell me your, your thoughts on, on that. We're going we're gonna to be adding that trophy to the, uh, to the trophy case as well? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. I saw the list and, uh, some really good players on that list. I'm just excited to, uh, hopefully get to meet them and, uh, just chop it up with them and talk about football. 
When you were waiting to hear the announcement last night, what was going through your head as you were standing there with, with Quinshawn Judkins and, and Buki Watson, two guys that in their own right had outstanding seasons? Well, first of all, shout out to those guys. Uh, just me growing up and being a supporter of all Mississippi schools, especially Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, I keep up with both of those programs and both of those players. So, uh, yeah, I was I was hopeful. I try not to get my hopes up too much, but uh, once they announced the finalists, and then the closer we got to the announcement, I couldn't help myself and. Uh, I saw I saw the uh, the nameplate right before the announcement, and I froze a little bit when I read it because I just couldn't believe it. Like when he announced my name, I didn't even hear all that. I just I was I was still in shock just from reading my name. Well, it's uh, it's an incredible season, and you are an incredibly deserving recipient. Tell us what what's next for you. Uh, you you finished your undergraduate degree. You have either finished a Masters or are really close to it, but is football over, or do you keep chasing this dream a little while longer? Yeah, I graduate next week, and uh, still got some things to figure I appreciate you. I still got some things to figure out, but I plan on uh, pursuing the next level. That's fantastic. So what does that look like for you? Will you go to a training program, guys go to Florida, Texas, Arizona, all of, all of those things to – uh, to get ready for workouts and combine opportunities, what, what does that look like? Like I said, I still got some things to uh, figure out. Uh, it's a new process for me, so uh, a lot of information that I don't have right now. But um, in the next few days, I plan on working on that. Well, congratulations once again, Patrick. We appreciate you spending a few minutes of uh, of your time with us this afternoon. I uh, hope you enjoy it when you, you look up and you, you see that Connerly Trophy on the uh, on the shelf because you certainly earned it. Oh, yeah. I appreciate y'all. That's Patrick Shegott, quarterback for Delta State, the Ceasefire Connerly Trophy recipient for 2023. An incredible year. 44 touchdowns, only two interceptions in 300 pass attempts. Season came to an end with a 38-31 loss to uh, Valdosta State. That was a wild fourth quarter. That game was 21-21 going into the fourth quarter. Valdosta went up 28-21. Delta State tied it. Then they took the lead with a field goal. And in the last three minutes of the game, Valdosta State kicked a field goal and then scored the uh, the winning touchdown with just nine seconds left in the game to uh, avenge the regular season loss that they had to Delta State. But an incredible year for the uh, for the Statesman. And Patrick Shegog certainly made a lot of people really, really proud. Sports Talk Mississippi, we're back with you in the Pearl River Resort studio right after this. Your number one for sports talk. Anyone? 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 Come on, don't be shy. Sports talk, Mississippi. Bingo, man, bingo. Super talk, Mississippi. Great visit with Patrick Shegog. It is almost impossible to listen to him talk 
and not just be thrilled for him for the uh, success that he's had on the field and for winning the C Spire Connerly Trophy last night. Just a uh, seems like a really good dude and a really good football player on top of that. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, all guests that join us, join on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We did get a couple of messages. Paul in Cleveland said, and the refs screwed Delta State with some teardrop emojis. Paul, I'm just going to have to take your word for it, man. Not saying it's impossible. We've seen it happen before. Dwayne says he sounds like a great young man, so refreshing to, to hear. David says the new 12-team playoff, is it the true top 12, or is it conference champs and group of five and one team from, he says, Little Sisters of the Poor? No, they're going to go with a... Five plus seven model, isn't that what we landed on? They, so they've changed it. Yes. It was going to be six plus six, and they're already changing that. And I wouldn't be surprised if they brought it down to four. But for now, it's five plus seven. So the, the five highest rated conference champions, and then the next seven best teams according, according to the college football playoff ranking that comes from the committee. Which would mean, despite them not getting an access bowl this year, at least looking like they won't, Ole Miss would, as of today, mm-hmm. make the playoff under that format. Based on the poll that exists right now, Ole Miss would be the 11 seed. And they would go to Columbus, Ohio to take on the Ohio State University Buckeyes. And there are people that don't like that. I, I can't explain it, how awesome that would be. Guys, I, I got nervous after I, mean, I was pretty all in yesterday on on Jim Phillips and the ACC, and I got a little nervous thinking I'm like, am I off on my timeline? And so I went back and and started digging through some of those old stories, and I was not I was not off on the timeline. Very good. June of 2021 is when this all started. When, when they were first supposed to start looking at expanding the playoff. Bill Hancock is now on record with Ross Dellinger as saying, yeah, if they had gone to the 12-team playoff or voted to go to the 12-team playoff in a more timely fashion, then we'd be getting ready for a 12-team playoff as well. I actually had a conversation with this year. We'd be getting one ready for this year. I called Ross Dellinger, and we talked for a little while today, and he's got a, a pretty good story, I think, coming out tomorrow that's going to – um, talk a little bit about what we were talking about yesterday. There is another thing, and it's not just Jim Phillips, right? It was the Alliance. The Alliance of very, very, very good friends. So you had Kevin Warren, the commissioner of the Big Ten, who's now the president of the Chicago Bears. So he went from failing at one job to leading an organization that's failing. Should have been a pretty easy transition. You have George Klyovkov who is in the process of, well, I mean, his entire organization disintegrated under his watch. And you got Jim Phillips of the ACC. And you remember they all kind of gentlemen's agreement banded together. They didn't say it exactly this way, but they were tired of the SEC dominating things. And so they 
decided that they were going to have this scheduling alliance and all of this stuff, and then all of that fell apart the second it was convenient for it to fall apart. And then we got to January of 2022, and that's when Jim Phillips led the way with the ACC saying, we're not necessarily against playoff expansion, but we are against playoff expansion right now because this is the not, not the right time for college football to expand. we got too many other things to go. So we might be for it one day, we're just not for it right now. And then about eight months later, around August, they voted for playoff expansion, but guess what? It was too late to do it for 2024. Here's the kicker on all this. You know what has changed? The market from television networks and what they are willing to pay for the rights for this 12-team college football playoff. There are estimates, and you can read more about this coming up from Ross Dellinger and probably others as well, but there are estimates that the decision to delay that decision by 18 months will cost more than half a billion dollars per year with what ultimately we end up for the new television rights package for the college football playoff. You want to talk about cutting off your nose to spite your face? Half a billion dollars, also known as six Jimbo Fisher buyouts. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Half a billion, but, but... but half a billion dollars times six for each likely year of the playoff going forward. Mm-hmm. It's time to get real. Real sports talk for Mississippi. It's time for you to get real with it. Sports talk Mississippi continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Four o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Visit PearlRiverResort.com for a full reckoning of everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort. Great food, great dining, great gaming, great golf, the whole deal at Pearl River Resort. Let's go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out Favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Uh, David Cobb joins us. He writes at CBSSports.com. Always kind with his time. David, we have conference championship games this weekend. Um, you, you are a proponent of the 12-team playoff, correct? That's right. I'm excited for it. Yeah, I'm a fan. All right. So I'm going to throw a text at you that we got just a second ago, and, and we'll start the conversation here. Uh, Chase in Columbus says, so someone smarter than me, please tell me. We have five conference title games this weekend with must-win games. They're true playoff games, and we're talking about giving away spots to Ole Miss and Penn State in a 12-team playoff. Please let me know how that is a good thing. How would you respond to that? Well, first off, I would say uh, that sounds like somebody from Columbus, Mississippi, absolutely, and not from Columbus, Ohio, because I'm sure the folks in Columbus, Ohio, would love to have a 12-team playoff this year, considering they are going to be left on the outside looking in at this thing on Sunday. Uh, look, I, I think it's great because come Sunday evening, 
there is going to be a deserving team in all likelihood left on the outside looking in of this playoff field because I mean, there's still eight teams that legitimately have a case uh, for inclusion in this playoff. And that number will get whittled down by a couple on conference championship Saturday, but there's still going to be uh, more than four who are deserving of a chance to play for the national title. And it's just going to be tough luck for a couple of them. So, hey, here's what I say. Let's either go back to two like we had in the BCS day. No. Just play, <laughs> play Georgia versus Michigan, right? Or, or let's expand it and give it, get it to 12 and give more teams a chance. And by the way, based on last night's college football playoff rankings, you would have had Penn State at Texas, Ole Miss at Ohio State, Tulane at Oregon, and Missouri at Alabama. You can't tell me those wouldn't have been fun. Oh, they would be fun. And the thing I like about the 12-team format that we're going to go to next year is the fact that finishing in the top four still means something because you're going to get a bye and then you're going to get a home game. I mean, those are two huge advantages in a playoff system. So it's not like it totally de-incentivizes the regular season because you're still going to have a lot to play for even if you're a clear-cut lock to make the playoff because you're going to want that bye. You're going to want that, that extra home game. Yeah, and, and math would tell you that winning three to get a national championship is easier than winning four to get a national championship, right? That, that's good, Richard. I, I agree with that math, yeah. Not a big math guy, but I can do that one uh, in my head. So um, it, it, this matchup with Georgia and Alabama in uh, in Atlanta for the SEC title game, uh, Brian Haydad, right here on our show yesterday, um, he, he went with a big, bold prediction that Alabama was winning this game. The wrong team was favored. I'm not sure that I see that. How does this one play out on Saturday between Georgia and Bama? Yeah, by the way, uh, shout-out Haydad, because I've seen his name all over the uh, Mississippi State search. Uh, seems like he was like the go-to guy on that, so a nice job. Uh, but, no, the, um, the, the SEC championship game matchup to me is interesting because this Georgia run defense is not nearly as good as uh, it was the past two seasons. And so it's not like Alabama is some rushing juggernaut. I mean, Jace McClellan and Roy Dell Williams are, are fine. But I think the Crimson Tide might be able to run the football a, a little bit against Georgia. And then what I'm really interested in seeing is what Jalen Milrow does uh, when the play breaks down, uh, if he gets outside the pocket and inter- improvises a little bit. Because I just don't know that Georgia has had to play a ton of high-quality quarterbacks this year. I mean, Jaden Daniels was not on that schedule uh, for for Georgia, right? Like, they haven't seen a a Jalen Milrow. Uh, So who who are we looking at that Georgia's played this season that's really even in the same hemisphere of quarterback play uh, as Jalen Milrow? I think that's that's reasonable. I mean, there might be a couple of guys that you could point to, but – the thing that stands out for me with Georgia, and we saw it a couple of times this year, so leading into their game against Kentucky, when Kentucky was ranked, it was like, oh, this could be the week, this could be the matchup where Georgia's in trouble. Obviously didn't happen. Heard that again leading into the game against Ole Miss. Oh, this is a tough matchup for Georgia, that Ole Miss offense. And it was kind of back and forth in the first quarter, and then Georgia made a couple of adjustments and just ran away with it. It feels to me like every time somebody they, they start to go, well, this could be the week, it's like Kirby is able to harness that with his team in a way that not many coaches can. It's like he, he's out there making up headlines to inspire his guys. Um, we ever he heard that before? That, <laughs> yeah, yeah and, and it's funny because now you've got Nick Saban, you know, Mr. Rat Poison, 
Uh, and then you got Kirby Smart, who's also a master motivator. And so it's just, and this is going to be a, I hope it's a great game. And maybe that's the, uh, the Mr. CBS in me uh, talking and hoping that the final SEC championship game on CBS is, is a, is a great one. But there's a version of Alabama that we've seen. Look at the second-half performance against Tennessee. Uh, if we get that version of Alabama and we get the sluggish uh, Auburn or South Carolina version of Georgia, then, then the Crimson Tide are capable of winning. I mean, you're, you're right, Richard, though. I mean, Georgia just makes these adjustments. They come out in the second half, and they just roll over, folks. So, I mean, that's certainly on the table here. But we've seen them play with their food sometimes this season, and now what? Maybe they think, hey, we're the two-time defending national champions and uh, we're a lock for the playoff. And Alabama, they, they know they have to win this game. Maybe Georgia has hopes of backing in with a loss like Ohio State did last year. I don't think that's practical. But, but Alabama absolutely has their back against the wall here. So I, I think the Crimson Tide can keep it close. I mean, I, I'm going to pick Georgia to win the game. Uh, but, but I absolutely believe the best version of Alabama that we've seen at times this year can be competitive. For the record, David Cobb, who just labeled himself as Mr. CBS, was not in charge of the negotiations um, <laughs> that, that saw CBS give up the SEC and the most valuable college football package ever to uh, carry the third best game in the Big Ten and pay them six times more than they were paying the SEC. David Cobb, not in charge of those negotiations. Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm actually a big Rutgers guy now. I'm really looking forward to covering Rutgers versus Iowa next year. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I'm Mr. Big Ten now. Yeah, yeah, that, that'll be uh, that'll be absolutely beautiful. Hey, you mentioned it a second ago, Jeff Levy, new head football coach at Mississippi State. Your thoughts on that hire for the Bulldogs? Yeah, I like the fact that they're going scheme right. Like Jeff Levy has a defined scheme, uh, an offensive system. I'm a little um, curious. Like, it just feels like a little underwhelming when you go with the former Ole Miss offensive coordinator, just sort of from the rivalry dynamics standpoint. But I think what's interesting about Levy is that perhaps if there wasn't the negative association with the Art Bryle scandal, he, he probably would have been hired as a head coach before this. So you get a little bit of value there because maybe some of the other schools were – were too afraid to touch him, right? And, and, you know, maybe he was already deserving of a head coaching opportunity and, and now he's going to go, uh, to, to state for that and they might, they might really be able to cash in and reap the benefits uh, of the fact that he was overlooked or passed over in past years. So I like the fact that he's a good scheme coach. He's an offensive coach. That's the, the success they had with Dan Mullen and, and Mike Leach was obviously tied to, to great offensive minds who weren't just trying to replicate, uh, whatever Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have done. Cause I don't think you can do that at state. Jeff Levy knows who he is, and guys, there are, there are some good quarterbacks uh, starting to pile into that transfer portal now. So I think I think Jeff Levy will be able to go out there and, and get one. You know, so um, I'm cautiously optimistic, but but not overwhelmed necessarily by the hire. David, we got two minutes left. Let's try and hit briefly on both Mississippi State and Ole Miss basketball. State got into the top 25 after a really good start to the season. Bad loss last night. Just didn't play well against Georgia Tech. Uh, still without Tolu Smith, going to be uh, until January. And then Ole Miss gets uh, a, an impressive and maybe even a little bit of a surprising 20-point home win against NC State. Just a quick thought on both of those programs before we run out of time. Yeah, I know the, the narrative around them both sort of flip-flopped pretty aggressively last night. Uh, I didn't necessarily see that one coming with Ole Miss winning by 20 over an NC State team that returned a lot from uh, the NCAA tournament uh, last season. So, uh and what's also standing out to me right now about Ole Miss is, is they're about to get Moose to Cisse back or get him for the first time. I, he just got cleared, uh, which is going to give them another shot blocker along with Jamarion Sharp. And 
So they got a huge one coming up against Memphis, which has been off to a hot start. So, uh, and if they also get Brandon Murray cleared, the, uh, the, the former Georgetown and LSU uh, wing, then all of a sudden we're talking about a, an Ole Miss team that has a chance to make a little bit of noise. And then with Mississippi State, I know the, la- the loss last night was incredibly disappointing, but overall still off to a tremendous start when you consider the fact that Tola Smith won't be in the mix until January. I mean, that's an all-SEC caliber uh, center there, and you know they've, they've got some meat on the resume, and hopefully Georgia Tech goes on to be decent, so it's not like uh, a November loss to them will kill you. Yeah. Uh, it's shaping up to be a fun year, and this ACC-SEC challenge has been uh, really cool right out of the gates. A couple of great games coming up tonight. Wish we had more time, but we are out. David, always appreciate your time. Great catching up, and look forward to talking to you soon. All right, sounds good. I appreciate it. David Cobb joins us from CBS Sports on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We are back with you right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi, now. now. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Good chat with David Cobb from CBS Sports on the Farm Bureau guest line. Hey, Dad, we've got uh, a couple of announcements today. Hey, Dad, loved that interview, by the way. What a great interview. I've always said that we should have David Cobb on more often. That guy knows what he's talking about. He's got it figured out. MSU insider Brian Haydad. Very, uh, very good. Hey, uh, a couple of announcements today of existing staff members at Mississippi State who are staying put. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And two, if you said, Brian, only two of them are going to stay, who would you pick? These are the two uh, Chad Bumpus, Mississippi State receivers coach. Um, you know, State, their, their highest rated recruit right now, J.J. Harrell, has pretty much said out loud. As long as Bumpus is there, I'm coming to Mississippi State. Uh, State's in a good spot with four-star receiver Mario Craver from Alabama. State's in a good spot with five-star receiver Caleb Cunningham for next season out of uh, Choctaw Central High School or Choctaw County, I'm not sure. Um, then and then there, there it's, it looks like it's a two-way battle, State and Ole Miss for Starkville receiver Stonka Burnside. Bumpus gives you the best chance there. Plus, he's an alum. He's a beloved football player. I, I think he was always going to stay. And then with David Turner, kind of the same thing. Not an alum, but his resume of Fletcher Cox and, and Chris Jones and, and all those guys and recruiting Jeff Simmons, he was always going to get another shot at this. So Turner and Bumpus will stay, and then we'll see what the rest of the staff starts to look like. I imagine we're going to see more names 
quickly because, you know, you've got visitors coming this weekend. You've got a lot of visitors coming next weekend. You've got a class to put together, and signing day is uh, 20 days away. Any other guys currently, or, or I say currently on staff, I guess it's in flux, but on the previous staff that you think might stay, might might be the only, given the opportunity to stay? The only other two that I would I would say have an opportunity would be Greg Knox, and even then, I don't know that it would be on the coaching staff. It might be back in the quality control analyst role he was in uh, prior to Zach Arnett's dismissal. And then you have Tony Hughes, who's just been with Mississippi State for such a long time. But that's a guy who, I mean, he could retire now and draw the full, full amount for his for his uh, time at Mississippi State and, and working in, in the state of Mississippi. So you might see him transition to an off-the-field role. I don't know if he, if he wants to continue in that. But I mean, at the same time, he might, and then he would probably have that opportunity. But as a running backs, he was the running backs coach last year. I, I think Levy, outside of Bumpus, is going to want to bring in his own guys for offense. So I don't, I don't know about Tony Hughes or not. And a little bit of a development on the Oklahoma front that potentially impacts the staff that Levy was going to put together. Um, they have promoted... To offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, I think Seth Luttrell, who's the former head coach of the University of North Texas, and then Joe John Finley gets the title of co-offensive coordinator and tight ends coach. He, of course, spent a year on Lane Kiffin's staff in Oxford and was with Jeff Levy, went back to Oklahoma, I guess a year before Levy did, um, and is at his alma mater as well. Correct, and, and those were you're correct. Those were some names that were tied to Mississippi State and rumored to be possibilities. But like you said, uh, they get the uh, the, the full time gigs there with uh, with Oklahoma, and will be staying put in Norman. So I was thinking about this a little bit. You know, we all know that one of the names that people kind of threw out is you know if you're putting together this dream team coaching staff, people threw Kendall Bryles' name out immediately as an offensive coordinator. To me, that's a non-starter. Because Jeff Levy answered your question two nights ago about play calling and said he was going to be the play caller. It's hard for me to believe that Kendall Bryles would give up play calling duties at this point in his career as an offensive coordinator. Yeah, I agree with that. If Levy's going to call plays, then you need an offensive coordinator who's probably also your quarterback's coach at that point. And you you probably bring him in as more as as a recruiter. Than anything else, or maybe it's somebody like like we talked about yesterday with uh, with Randy Clement, who's a longtime friend of Jeff Levy and is a really good offensive line coach. Yeah. Maybe you just name him as offensive coordinator, so that you can pay him a little extra money. You know, and I think that happens all the time in the coaching business that guys get titles that that come with raises. That that could be a possibility for for Mississippi State. Hey Borky, can we go to the clip from the Jeff Levy press conference the other night, uh, where he talks about play calling and and yeah. I guess it was a question for Brian Haydad. And I don't mean to to call anybody out. I know they work really hard on this. The audio is not on our end. This is what uh, this is what was produced. So so okay. forgive me for uh, for that. But yeah, here's Jeff Levy, uh, quick answer on uh, play calling. Are, are you planning to continue calling plays here at Mississippi State or do you think you'll turn that over to an offensive coordinator? No, I, I will continue to call it. I think that's important for me as we get started in this thing, having one voice as, as we move forward. Um, as we're putting together the staff, still having the ability to, to hire an offensive coordinator uh, from a title standpoint to, to be able to take some of the day-to-day 
um, and, and be able to go have uh, total control of some of the organizational things that go on with uh, whether it be practice or game planning so that I do have the ability to be a head coach. So uh, he'll be an incredible extension of me, one that I trust, one that understands the system and, and has lived in it for sure. That just makes a, a good-looking question. <laughs> guy who asked that question, really handsome. Was it? Glad this yeah. is an audio medium. You just have to use your imagination. You know, I just have to, you have to trust me on that. And you don't have, you don't have to judge for yourself. You can just trust uh, trust Brian Hayden. That makes a lot of sense to me, even if it's not a forever thing. And my guess is, mm-hmm. I don't know. I say my guess is, I just feel like there are a lot of guys that at some point along the way go. Okay, we need to try it the other way. I need to allow somebody that I trust to call the plays because there's a lot more on my plate that I even realized. I, I think maybe we don't realize how much demand there is on head coaches just in terms of day in, day out during a game week. But if you got the job because this is what you have done for your entire career, that means you were good at your job. And so if you were good enough at your job for an SEC school to say, we want you to be our head coach, then you ought to at least start out doing what you did that got you to that point. So to me, it makes a ton it of sense. brought you to the dance. Yeah. yeah. It, it, forgive me if this thing. is a galaxy brain take, but if, if you're a rookie head coach, if you've never been a head coach before, shouldn't you really like take control of the things that you know how to do? I agree. I agree. I think that makes a ton of sense because you know that way you have one thing to fall back on. Like I, I, I know I can control this. I know I can call the plays, and that'll be fine. And then you, you take a year and you see what your comfort level is with it. And if it's great, you feel good about it. You continue. And if you don't, you go get help the next year. This is a year where for Mississippi State, where I mean, no one's expecting Jeff Levy to to win the SEC championship or anything like that. We, we, I think Mississippi State fans, by and large, know this is going to be a, a, a rebuilding kind of year. They got to totally reface the roster. So, you know, make it work, figure it out, and see how it works for you this year, and then go into next year with a, with a full plan of attack. Forky, what was the other Levy clip that we had? Uh, this is him on uh, quarterback. So, a bunch of guys are, are hitting the portal today, mm-hmm. and uh, he was asked about what uh, he plans on doing in terms of um, roster acquisition at the most important position on it. Yes, as we work through this, we'll, we'll be able to go get uh, you know a, a guy that we need. I think we're going to address that position, obviously, um, through, through the portal. We also have got a couple of guys on campus that I am incredibly excited about uh, to be able to put us in a position to go compete and have a healthy competition uh, this spring. That That's important, but you know, as we move forward we, from a quarterback position, we, we want guys that can do both, be able to keep people honest with their feet and be able to throw it all over the yard. So that's uh, that's who we're going to be. That's who we're going to recruit to. And, and, again, from a system standpoint, you know, I, I got a good film. We're going to be able to get who we need to get. If you're a state fan, hey, Dad, you're excited to hear, we want a quarterback that can make plays with his feet, but we're going to throw it all over the yard. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what you wanted to hear. And in the last sentence there, I feel like you know I feel like we have a good feeling about who we're going to get. It makes me think that he's already got some targets lined up that he feels pretty confident he can reel in to start. What that never happens, right? It's not going to be Riley Leonard though. Yeah, I was joking with Haydad during the break, Richard. This is two years in a row now. Two years in a row 
where a high-level ACC quarterback hits the transfer portal and magically already knows his destination is Notre Dame. An institution of integrity like Notre Dame just lucked their way into two guys now knowing exactly where they're going to go the second they hit the portal. How lucky are they? Well, I mean, look, the information that is passed along in the confessional is privileged. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Or the cash. Hey. Uh, I'm not going to make that joke. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Sorry to say what happens at the confessional stays in the confessional, but I'm not going to make that joke. Sports Talk Mississippi. We're back with you right after this. Exciting news. Brace yourself. More Sports Talk Mississippi. Now. Now. it when coaches drop truth bombs on us. We talk about NIL all the time, right? Um, pay for play NIL. Describe it however you want. <laughs> the concept of name, image, and likeness is, uh, yeah, whatever. You do get some of that. Some. I, in fact, I was talking with somebody yesterday. He was like, hey, you think they've got any NIL stuff in place that San Diego's, or why do I, I'm going to do that on the air and I'm going to sound like an idiot. South Dakota State. SDSU for my entire life has been San Diego State. And now I've got SDSU, but it's South Dakota State. Anyway, he was asking, you think there's much NIL activity at a place like South Dakota State? I was like, I don't know. I'm going to ask. My guess is that in a place like that, it's more like, the local burger shop does a deal with the offensive lineman where they eat for free? Yeah. Yeah, you know, the quarterback does a does a sponsorship deal with his local South Dakota Ford dealer? Legitimate NIL. Not not a collective NIL. Yeah. Like right. businesses directly to athletes come endorse my product. So the only thing that we're missing now in terms of the NIL conversation is, what are the prices? You go to Walmart, you're trying to buy something. You need to know how much it costs. What do you do? You look at the price tag. We don't necessarily have price tags on players at current schools who are looking to go elsewhere, who are making the transition from high school to college, JUCO to college, etc. We can't pick up a player and go find that pole at Walmart that's got the little thing, you know, that's missing when when the item's missing a price tag and you just hold it under there and you scan it and it tells you exactly how much it costs. Be great if we could do that with wide receivers. But today Matt Rule gave us some price tag info. This is this is more straightforward than I can remember any other coach being. Off the record, sure. On the record, nope. 
Matt Rule, quote, a good quarterback in the quarter costs a million, one and a half, two million. Sounds about right. Certain ones that are in sure. it anyway. Especially if you can get two SEC teams that are desperate against each other. Yeah, that, that sounds about right. I mean, it's a really good time to be a college football player. It is. Well, I, I know, and you know, we we talk about this a lot, and, and you're never going to change anybody's mind. I really just can't sit here and watch Texas A&M pay $77 million to one guy to not coach their team anymore and feel outraged when K.J. Jefferson wants a million bucks to go to South Carolina. I just... I. It, and oh, I just I just I threw that out there. I have zero outrage, none. Yeah, but you know my fascination with the business of sports and yeah. numbers. I thought it was wildly refreshing that Matt Rule was like, "Hey, you want a good quarterback out of the portal? Million bucks, maybe one point five, two billion. You know how much easier it would be to stomach if that was public information? Because that that the difference between college and pros, pros make more, but everybody knows what they're making. Yeah, forget the the salary cap for a second. There's just knowledge. I mean, Derek Carr had an awful press conference today. I mean, arrogant and dismissive, and he was awful. And guess what? You know exactly how many millions of dollars the Saints are paying him to have that kind of attitude in a press conference today. It changes the way you you receive him, right? At least it did me. It's just, dude, you're way overpaid to be acting like this to be as bad as you are in the red zone. It's it's easier to stomach as a fan knowing exactly what every player costs. I think there's something to that if people just knew. And part of the issue is that it's the fans that are paying the salaries, not the schools that are negotiating these multi-million dollar buyouts that they're paying two years later because they made a bad decision. You know, if the schools had to cover these costs, then people would have less of an issue. When the SEC's writing you a $50 million check every year, and you're paying the quarterback a million bucks, that's fine. But you're you're paying your coach a $77 million buyout. If you're a Texas A&M booster today, that helped pay that buyout. And then you got Mike Elko that's going to come to you and say, hey, Grayson McCall just hit the portal. And let me tell you, man, he's a great player, experienced player. He can come here and win games for us. I need $700,000. No. Would be my response. Oh, I disagree. It might be might be yours, might be mine, but I disagree with that booster because, well, well two reasons. First of all, we didn't spend $77 million to get out of that last situation so we could get into a worse spot with the new guy. So, yeah, what does it cost? All right, let's do it. That's number one. Number two, and, and Ross Bjork, to his credit, pointed this out. He said, we're not asking our donors to pay for the buyout. It's budgeted. The Twelfth Man Foundation is going to make the 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 upfront payments, and then the athletics department, through its budget, is going to assume the annual payments of seven million dollars a year through twenty thirty one. And they'll probably do that once or twice, and then they'll be like, "Hey." There's $42 million left on this over the next six years at $7 million per. We'll write you a, tre- a check for $25 million to go away. Or, or whatever the number is. 
But don't, don't you? I mean, I, I just I, I sympathize with fans that are like, why are why are we having to pay for this? The schools are making bad financial decisions, and then we're the ones that have to buy the players to get them out of the bad decisions. I, I, that that part of it, I, I sympathize with, and I understand the fans get the the raw end of the deal. Uh, I mean, yeah, use a local example. I'm not taking a shot at him. I understand why he gets this salary. He earned it this year. But Lane Kiffin's making nine million bucks, and. You know, Johnny, who's driving home from work right now at the accounting firm that grinded all day long, and he's got two kids at home that he's got to take care of and feed and clothe and all that, and he's going to, I mean, their, their house is chaos, right? He gets home, and there's just stuff everywhere, and, and they, they put the kids to bed, and they clean up, and he sits down, and he checks his email, and he's got an email from the collective, give us more money. Th- that sucks that that is the system in place. Yeah. And, and I guess I should clear up, right? Okay, so... Borky, you were saying donor is asked to make that twelfth man foundation is money that has been donated to the school. So maybe I'm going potato potato. I guess I was just making the point that it's not new money. They're not they're not going out and saying, Michael Borky, oil man millionaire, hey, we need you to cut us a check for half a million to go toward this buyout. It's not usually right. So they yeah. have money in reserves that they're paying. 18, 19 million now, another 19 million in six months, and then they do the whatever. So that is donated money, to your point. It's not new donated money. Yeah. But the fans being upset at the, the situation, I think they're directing it at the wrong people. They're getting mad at the players. If you were in their situation, you would do the exact same thing. Get mad at the people that created the system that allowed annual free agency, capless finances, and paying one guy $77 million to go away. Blame those people. Don't blame, and again, I'm just using this as an example. I have no idea what he's doing. But don't blame K.J. Jefferson if he transfers to South Carolina and gets money to do so. That's not his fault. You would do the same thing. Get hey, mad Dad, at the people ta- that allowed it. Yeah, hey, Dad, I was talking to somebody last night about this at the uh, at the basketball game. And we're like, man... What a, what a crazy system we're in right now. You know, good for the players, good for them. It's working well, but it doesn't feel like it's sustainable, at least not forever. And I was like, yeah, and the NC, it, we're here because the NCAA buried its head in the sand for so long saying they will not get anything. And then they're like, fine, you can have everything. Whereas yeah. if it had been incremental along the way, yeah, they had allowed for 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 some as opposed to just oh there are no rules. I don't, I don't think we would be here. No, nah, probably not. Probably not. But yeah, that's what that's where that's where we are. And hey, it feels like it's a simple fix. You know, it feels like it's just hey, combine if you can combine the Bulldog Club and the Bulldog Initiative. If you can combine the Loyalty Foundation and the Grove Collective. So you're donating all your money, and it's going, and they figure, let the university figure out how it's going to get doled out. That seems like a very easy fix. And then you get, you know, you can go back to get, you know, if you're donating to the Grove Collective, yeah, you can get a sweatshirt or maybe some cool memorabilia, but you can't get season ticket perks for that. They got to figure out a way to make that easier for people. Yeah, which is which is what they're not doing in Congress right now. They're they're trying to figure out ways to kill this when. Saying that the game is in danger, but in reality, the game is healthier than it's ever been, and the TV ratings, which just came in today, kind of prove that. Massive again. Yeah, yeah the the whole 
this is going to kill college football continues to not really be accurate. We are, we are in the process of having the most watched college football season ever. And that's the year before we go to a 12-team playoff where more teams are going to be involved in the postseason. Here comes more Sports Talk Mississippi. You ready, guys? On Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Dad, all your jokes aside, can we do the math on this just, just for a second? Let's say you get a bargain basement quarterback through the transfer portal. Sure. And you only have to pay him $600,000. That's $50,000 a month. That's good money. $50,000 a month. Just think, you only work like three days a month and you get that. The oh, you said all jokes aside. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. The, 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 the works, that's kind of the joke that I was pointing to there. So I, I did see, we, we got a text about it. Well, the, the only value is in the helmet. No, Jaden Daniels has value outside of his LSU helmet. I mean, do you think LSU's yeah, getting a re- As a whole, I know the fans pay the salary. I get it. But you think if they paid him a million five for this year, they got a return on that investment? Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't think Judkins has value outside the fact that he plays for Ole Miss? I don't know what to tell you. Judkins has value anywhere mm-hmm. in the country. And I mean, look, I know this is unpopular to say, right? Because we're not in the we're not in the business of taking tests. What, what was it, Cart? I, I didn't. I ain't. I didn't come here to play. Or we ain't come here to play school. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, right. But we're talking fifty thousand. A month. This is this is for for a player with a six hundred thousand dollar deal, and so I'm I'm backing off of the number that Matt Rule threw out. And look, there aren't that many players that are getting this much money. Very few. But, but we'll, we'll say starting quarterback that has had moderate success that goes into the transfer portal for a program looking for a quarterback. Let's say you get six hundred grand, fifty thousand dollars a month. That is on top of his scholarship and his room and board and cost of attendance money and stipend and health care and food. Oh, I guess I already said food. Snacks and snacks are important. Massage therapy. And rehab, and personal trainers if needed, like all of the other stuff that we pretend like has no value. Not us, but a lot of people are like, oh, I mean, that's just a given. It's not just a given. And if you've ever made a single student loan payment in your life, you know it's not just a given. Or if you sacrificed and saved for 18 years before your kid went to college and then footed the bill for, for that education, you, you know that that is 
real money. And it's not for nothing. So, it's a good time to be an athlete. It's a good time to be a really good athlete. I would have had the best suits in the world if I was in college making 50 k a month. Yeah? yeah? I would have been a suit guy. All like the fraternity functions and sorority functions and stuff, date parties, all that crap. Oh, man. Instead of wearing the same two blazers that I had the entire four years of college, buddy, I would have had a new one for every single one. Hey, Dad, do you know how many pocket squares I would have had? <laughs> <laughs> every color under the rainbow. Oh, and the yeah. shoes, man. Yeah. Oh, the shoes and the ties. What, what what would your what would your vice have been? Hey, Dad. <sighs> Probably would have had a. I mean, I don't know what the top grill that was available in 1996 <laughs> was, but I would have had it. We'd have had some cookouts at my house. Chase in Columbus says fifty thousand a month. I would have died. He said, "I know I what I did." Biggest... Literally counting change. <laughs> I would have had a TV that weighed like 700 pounds because that's what a big screen TV was back then. If, I, I would have had one that would have required an entire fleet of movers to move into my house. Um, Richard would be getting a new truck every month. Oh, wait. <laughs> I would have loved security, too, but not like real security. I'm talking just like some some pudgy frat guys with glasses and like a tie they don't know how to put on, just walking with me everywhere I go. 15 bucks an hour just to have like security detail. And then like if I would have class, like four or five of them would go in like the Secret Service and have to like clear the room and then talk on little like uh, walkie-talkies that are at their wrist for some reason. Bring them in. And then I would go to class and have, yes, that's that's what I would do. For a day, not all the time, and, and but look, for a day I would do that. And then Borky would have gotten that tax bill at the end of the year, and he'd be, <laughs> he would have been like, oh, uh, can I pay for that with one of these suits? Uh, I would just hope that uh, my collective, like the ones right here in Mississippi, would have already withheld that for me. There you go. Wonder, I wonder if I could have gone into my favorite watering hole and been like, drinks are on me one Saturday night. What coach was it that got his uh, game-winning bonus check and walked to a bar uh, in town and handed it to the bartender and said, until this runs out? What coach was that? Brett Bielema. Sounds like a Bielema thing. It's my first guess. First guess. It just feels like the the right call. College football fix. That is how we will begin the 5 o'clock hour with you next. Mississippi. Here's more Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Kind of got to pick and choose these days, right? There's some days where it's just too cold. Right? It's just too gray, too cold, too windy, spitting rain. 
And there are other days, like today, where you get up to about 60 degrees and the sun's out. You're going to take advantage of those days. You can do that at Dancing Rabbit Golf. The Oaks and the Azaleas Golf Courses, two 18-hole championship courses. Book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Connect and protect. That's the plan for your children. It's them the phone or device that they want, and it gives you the peace of mind that you need because your children are protected online. Learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. Let's get a little college football fix. Hey, are we getting rid of that on Monday? It will be officially over. It'll be over, yeah. We're going to have new music for the college well, football fix. Should we wait until the SEC releases the what the new song is going to be? No. This is going to be the Big Ten song, though, right? Oh, yeah, true. This is still the best song. It doesn't matter that it changes, you know, this is still the best song. We should stick with it. Did did we ever, because I know Hard Greg Sankey disagree. responded to you on X, formerly known as Twitter, about our idea uh, to hire, you know, hire musicians to make the new song. Do we know what they're doing yet? I know. I've not asked about that in a while. I'll see what I can find out. Oh, is that when I, like, said cue the timpani and he was like... He's like, what are you guys talking about? Made some reference to, to uh, yeah. that. Yes, if John Williams is not writing the theme music for the next college football on ESPN ABC or the SEC on ESPN then they are doing it wrong. And by the way, the SEC should foot the bill for that and retain the rights for it in perpetuity, regardless of its broadcast partner. Uh, College Football Fix, though, is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Find them online at buyfordnow.com. You can see about the deals that they've got going, the inventory at your local Mississippi Ford dealer, and you can test drive the F-150 today. You're going to love it. We've got conference championship games this weekend. We really haven't gotten into those. Friday night, a pair of them. CBS Sports Network has the Conference USA title game. New Mexico State at Liberty. New Mexico State is 10 and 3. They went 7 and 1 in the league. Liberty is 8 and 0 in conference play, 12 and 0 undefeated and still with an outside chance. If SMU could knock off Tulane in the American Conference Championship game, there's a scenario where Liberty could end up in an access or in a, a New Year's Six Bowl this year. Possibly. Liberty's an 11 point favorite. Are we forgetting what New Mexico State did against Auburn? We're not forgetting. We're not forgetting. Okay. But. I think Liberty would beat Auburn too, so which would have been really funny if we could have seen that. But the irony would hey, have do, been. Do you rich. know what New Mexico State did the week following? We all would there? have liked to have watched Liberty there, just like sit in the corner and watch. Just yeah, just watch. Do you know what New Mexico State did the week after beating Auburn thirty-one to ten? Well, they did last week. No, I don't know. They beat Jacksonville State twenty to seventeen. Huh? Jacksonville State also could possibly beat Auburn. Possibly. They almost beat South Carolina. 
That is that is a uh, a true statement. So that's the Conference USA Championship game. Pac-12 Championship game on Friday night. Number five, Oregon. Number three, Washington. Do you guys happen to know the last time that the Pac-12 had a top five matchup between teams in its conference? Never. It has happened before. 1976. Jeez. My dad was 14. Southern Cal, UCLA, number two versus number three in 1976. It's the last time the Pac-12 had two top five teams from its league play against each other. What a conference. I mean, it's gone, right? You talk about theme song gone. Pac-12's gone. This is it. It's the final, the final thing. This is the last one, yeah. That's it. Uh, playing it in Vegas. Can get in the door for $38. Oregon is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. They're begging you to take Oregon there, aren't they? Mm-hmm. Just crazy. Washington beat them earlier this year. They beat yeah. them. Yeah. And you couldn't find anybody who thinks that Washington's going to win this game outside of Washington fans. And, and I feel like I'm a sucker, like, because I'm pretty sure if you made me lay it, I'd lay the nine and a half. Although this may be one of those, like, fade the public games. Because it feels like the public's going to be all over Oregon. This is also the Heisman game. Whoever wins this game is winning the Heisman. If Penix wins again, he's winning the Heisman. If Bo Nix wins, he's winning the Heisman, I think. I really do think that. I'm not sure there – I don't know if – I mean, I think Michael Penix to win it at this point would have to have a massive game. Yeah, Yeah, but, I mean, if he beats Nix twice, I think he's got a shot. Nick's losing definitely opens the door for Jaden Daniels to get through with even with three losses. It does. It does. Big slate on Saturday. Eleven o'clock central in Arlington. Number eighteen Oklahoma State and number seven Texas. By the way, Mike Gundy today named Big Twelve Coach of the Year. <laughs> I mean, they weren't giving that award to Steve Sarkeesian. I don't care what the vote said, he wasn't getting that award. No. Been funny. <laughs> Opens up the envelope. And the winner is? Throw that behind you. The winner is not this guy. Mike Congratulations, Gundy. Mike Gundy. That is a fine mullet you have, sir. Texas is a 15-and-a-half point favorite. That seems high. Oklahoma State's not a not a bad team. They beat Oklahoma. No. no. Yeah. Play the fire a little bit. That 33-7 loss, though, to South Alabama makes you wonder. The SEC championship game in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. I told you you could get uh, in the door for Oregon-Washington for 38 bucks. It'll cost you 310 to get in the door in Atlanta on Saturday. Number one, Georgia. Number eight, Alabama. Georgia, a five-and-a-half-point favorite. We'll see. You, I mean, you called it, hey, Dad. You, like, you just flat out I, called it. You I said really wrong think, team I, favored. I do think Alabama is going to win this game. Will you be putting like, your money like, where your mouth and your heart and your prediction nah. are? Nah, I, I, don't, I, only, I only make my one bet a year. You know, you might actually win one if you'd make more than one a year. I might lose one. I might lose two. I lost my one this year, so. Yeah. 
SMU Tulane in the American Conference Championship game. Tulane is a three and a half point favorite. I said it yesterday. That was my fishy line of the week. It makes absolutely no sense to me. None. None. Uh, on Fox, number two, Michigan, number 16, Iowa in Indianapolis. Michigan is a 21 and a half point favorite. Total in the game is 35 and a half points, by the way. Yeah. As we said yesterday, Bears repeating. Iowa's team total, which means you can bet on how many, how many points just Iowa will score mm-hmm. in the first half, is .5. <laughs> I mean, I hope that somebody loses that on a safety. Oh, I, I really oh, hope that they get a safety. Right. So Michigan is favored by 21 and a half. Do you know how many times this year that Iowa has given up more than 21 and a half points? Once. One. Against Penn State, right? Two times. Twice. They got beat 31 to nothing by Penn State. And they, no, I'm sorry, one time. I was looking at that Rutgers game. They won that Rutgers game. One time. Yeah. They gave up 14 to Utah State, 13 to Iowa State, 10 to Western Michigan, 31 to Penn State. Just take the under. 16 to Michigan State, 14 to Purdue, 6 to Wisconsin, 12 to Minnesota in a loss. <laughs> they gave up 12 points in a game and lost. Should have won. If that punt return doesn't get called back, they're playing for a spot in the playoff today, tomorrow, Saturday, whenever the hell it is. They gave up 7 to Northwestern, shut Rutgers out, 13 to Illinois, and 10 to Nebraska. Pretty good defense. Defense. Pretty good defense. Yeah. They're not a lawyer. 21 and a half feels like a lot because that defense is really, really good. And then Louisville and Florida State in the ACC title game in Charlotte on Saturday night. Florida State is a two and a half point favorite in that ballgame. Total is 47 and a half. Louisville can, can score points. Those are your totals. And odds for the conference championship games coming up this weekend. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. That's your college football fix. Let the broadcasting of the disturbed continue. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us in the Pearl River Resort studio. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by M-Trade Park. I know we're at the end of November, moving toward December very, very quickly. So right now, not a ton happening at M-Trade Park, but the spring is just around the corner. It'll be here before you know it, and so will the events at M-Trade Park. And so if you're already thinking about the, uh, the the tournament schedules for your team, uh, whether it's fast pitch or baseball or soccer, 
then just know that there are plenty of events that are available. In fact, the February and March and April schedules are already available at mtradepark.com. Be sure to check those out. Uh, great facility. Um, all of the uh, the infields are, nat- are, are artificial turf, natural grass outfields. Maintenance is second to none. If you're going to play, play M-Trade. Check, the, uh, check them out online at mtradepark.com. Dot com. That's mtradepark.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Good to be with you. Hey, Dad, we really didn't talk about the um, the the introduction of Jeff Levy on Monday night in Starkville. We're on Wednesday now, mm-hmm. so I was trying to figure out what day of the week it was. That was um, it was something. It was cold for one thing, and you couldn't figure out why that the. Um, the indoors were being used until the end of the uh, the festivities. Yeah, well, they, they broke out the fireworks, and I was like, okay, I get it. I saw um, you know, all the other MSU head coaches were there, so I saw Chris Lamonis. I spoke to him for a second. I said, I'm just getting ready for opening day, sitting out here in the cold like this. It's no big deal. I'll be ready for you when first pitch happens. And he laughed at that. Um, yeah, that was something, Yeah, from what I was told, that they did when Brent Venables was, was brought out at Oklahoma. They made a, a big deal out of it and made like this, almost like a WWE style kind of entrance. They had a, a you know a lot of, of uh, some pyrotechnics and some some music and you know videos and I thought it was cool. You know that's just, that's just me. Um, I thought I thought it, I thought it was something that was well done. I gave a lot I give a lot of credit to Mississippi State Spencer McAnally over there, who uh, you know I, this is something I've talked about in the past with with Selman, you know, new ideas and new blood, and and you know we're not going to do things the old fashioned Mississippi State way. I thought that's what State needed when they hired their athletic director, and they they seem to have gotten that so far with Zach Selman. It, it, it you know if, if you're going to put the idea of a of a new Mississippi State out there, and by the way, when they when they don't say Mississippi State anymore, it is it's all this right here, it's all state, 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 state. Every word out of that man's mouth is state, not Mississippi State. So. I, it really feels like that they're trying to, to to brand themselves a state. They're trying to brand themselves as an exciting, cool place to be, and uh, we'll see if it pays off. But I, I I was impressed with what I saw Monday night. I thought it was cool. Very good. How many fans were there? I mean, I uh, a couple hundred. Yeah, a couple hundred. I mean, they had a they had a big group there of of Bulldog Club uh, boosters. They had, like I said, all the all the coaches were there from from all the different sports on campus. Uh, they had a big group of former letter winners that were there. They had roped off an area for them, and then some students were back there and some other friends. So I'd say a few hundred. Similar Would the crowd have been the, different uh, the if it had been indoors? I don't know. I mean, because it's I mean, seven thirty on a Monday is is difficult indoors or outdoors. You know, I mean, if you're not in town, that's not really something you can you can make. I think so. I, I don't I don't know. They would have been totally different. Yeah. Hey, we um, we had our final Polk's pick six. This past weekend, and uh, another – the numbers might have been down a little bit, but the fact is the they weren't down a lot. We still had over 550 entries, and that was with a shorter week because you had to have your picks in before the Egg Bowl kicked off on, uh, on Thursday night. The games were Ole Miss State, Troy Southern Miss, Texas A&M LSU, Florida Florida State, Ohio State Michigan, and UTSA Tulane. And we had 88 people that picked all six of those games correctly. And so it once again goes to the tiebreaker. 
and I was scrolling through. I was like, all right, who's who's got a number in the forties? Who's got a number in the? Th- There's nobody uh, of those eighty-eight. Nobody had a total points scored that was in the twenties for that game. The lowest tie-breaking <laughs> score we had came from Scott, and Scott's tiebreaker was thirty-four. And so Scott is the winner in our final weekend of the Polks Pick Six. It's been fun all year, and and you guys have participated this year in the weekly Polks Pick Six in a way that you never have in the past. I mean, we, in years past, we've had two, three hundred people. We averaged about six hundred and twenty-five, maybe six hundred and fifty entries every week, and you were really good. It's like maybe maybe we need to make this harder and start doing it against the spread. But no, it's just winners. So uh, Scott was our final winner. Scott, we will uh, get in touch with you. So that we can get your uh, your prize package on the way. Uh, Scott is, I don't know where Scott lives. He is in Mississippi, though. So, uh, very cool. Thanks to all of you that participated in the Polk's Pick 6 this year throughout the season. It was a lot of fun. A lot of Good fun. time. I didn't win. I like, And I know I couldn't win, but I, I submitted every week. And never won. We didn't have to go to option two. Not one time. No. Did you have an undefeated weekend? A couple. Okay. Didn't get anywhere close on the tiebreaker. Hey, uh, on the Lebby thing, by the way, we haven't talked about this yet. His contract. So, I mean, two things can be true at once, right? Uh, on one hand, four and a half million is cheap. It is going into twenty. I know, right? What a world, what a world we live world. in. What a a war. I mean, remember when Nick Saban got a four million dollar contract? Remember that? It's huge. Yeah. It's huge. <laughs> when you free, I, I don't know what made me. I heard this the other day. I was like, wait, what? When Hugh Freeze came to Ole Miss from Arkansas State, his first contract was a million and a half dollars a year. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. And that was in 2010? I think Mullen, I think Mullen, no, 12. Eight, nine. Yeah, I'm sorry. Was 2012 first was his first. Yeah, I'm sorry. Thanks. I think Mullen's first contract was under a million. I want to, think, I want to say it was 750000 hey. Again, if you want to get and mad, it, that's what you get mad at. That's where all this stuff started. But anyway. The other side of that is Levy is making, in his first contract, more than Mullen made in his last contract. Unbelievable. That is just nuts. That Mullen, wasn't Mullen that long was at, I think, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Mullen was at 425 in his last contract with Mississippi State. They were going to try to bump him up to six if he would stay, but he obviously he did. Crazy. All right, hey, Dad. I, you're going to have to help me with this. And I don't okay. know if we can do it just off the top of our head. So Jackie Sherrill was hired at Mississippi State in what year? Ninety. Uh, he would have been hired in 1990 or 91, like December of 90 or January of 91. Okay, so, his, so he coached at Mississippi State from 1991 through 2003. Correct. Do you think he made – as much during his entire <laughs> coaching tenure, no, as Jeff Levy will make in year one. I, I want to say Jackie's first contract was like one hundred seventy-five thousand, two seventy-five, yeah. So, and, and and I don't know that they would have. I, no, I'm going to say no. That's what a world. But so in today in 2024. Four point five million will be the fifteenth 
highest-paid coach in the SEC. Only ahead of Clark Lee. Somebody apparently got a hold of his contract. It's over three. It also is true that if you could get him for that contract, then don't give him anymore. You don't have to. So, you know, calling it cheap isn't exactly fair because you didn't have to pay him more. But I do, I would like to know what you heard about what was possibly offered to the, like the the big candidates. And not to say Lebby's not big, but the, the sitting head coaches yeah. of multiple years at like Kansas, if that was a, a road that they tried to go down. What was the, the highest number that they were willing to go? I, I was told that State, if they could have gotten one of their top candidates, w- was willing to start at like 6.5. Now, that might have gone up in some negotiations. They might have gotten close to 7. But if they could have gotten a Leipold, maybe a Chadwell, obviously if Kleiman had been interested, I guess, that, that would have been the starting number from what I was told. Base salary for Jackie Sherrill in his first year at Mississippi State was $75,000 with a $15,000 housing allowance. <laughs> now, that's not to say that he didn't make more than that, but when he was, yeah. he, he left Pittsburgh for Texas A&M and got $270,000 when he went. But then there, there was stuff. I always, tell, uh, I always tell John Bond he was born too early because of the way mobile quarterbacks work nowadays. But Jackie Sherrill probably born a little too early, too. He'd be making $7, 8000000 million a year somewhere. His yeah. salary is what Bobby Petrino is getting in a country club membership. <laughs> yeah. Gosh. Yeah. So, anyway. So, would have been willing to go to 6.5-7 if they had needed to. That would have been a four-year... Twenty-five to thirty million dollar contract, and they are instead on the hook for four years and about eighteen and a half million right out of the gate. It's big. Brace yourself. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices on Super Talk Mississippi. It's come up a couple of times today that there are a bunch of quarterbacks that are in the transfer portal. Take a look at some of those names and see um, if any of them make sense for Mississippi State. Obviously, some of them are going to make sense. You know, which ones are most attainable. First, though, we will uh, remind you that if you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, whether it's a Ford or a Toyota or a used vehicle of some other make and model, then Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota has got you covered. You've got a really nice selection of F-150s that are on the lot right now. There's a Bronco Sport that's out there, a couple of Expeditions, got uh, some Super Duty trucks. I don't know if they're on the lot right now, but if not, they are on the way. And just up the hill, you got Tundras and you've got Forerunners and you've got Camrys and Tacomas. Great selection at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota. They've been in business for over 100 years. Ford dealership for nearly that long, since the early 1960s. I guess that's not nearly 100 years, but a long, long time. 
And uh, they've been in their current location on Highway 6 West since the early 1980s. Family-owned company that is going to treat you the way you want to be treated when you stop by to take a look at a new car or truck or SUV. Tell them you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. We promise they will take care of you at Belk Ford and Oxford Toyota on Highway 6 West in Oxford. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, biggest name into the transfer portal has got to be Riley Leonard. He's just not available because he is headed to Notre Dame. That's not official, but it's unofficially official. Nate Johnson at Utah is in the transfer portal, played some early in the season, knows that he's not going to be the starter because Cam Rising is going to be back for a 14th season next year at uh, at Utah, so they know who their quarterback is going to be. So Nate Johnson at Utah, Riley Leonard at Duke, Grayson McCall, into the transfer portal for the second time in his career. Now, the first time he didn't actually go anywhere, he stayed put, pulled his name out. There's a reason for that. But he is now available as a graduate transfer. So he's graduated, and he can go wherever. Which sounds like quite the accomplishment, considering where we were a year ago. Yeah. Um, Conway will get you, man. That, that that's not an easy place to buckle down on academics. No. I guess. I mean that no shot. If you say so. All right. Um Does Grayson McCall make any sense for a Jeff Levy offense? I mean, he's a, he's a really good player. I, I mean when I think of Grayson McCall though is the first thing I think of big arm. I don't know that that it is, that it is. So I think they Levy can make the offense work through him, but I don't know that that's the quarterback that he would. If he had his first pick, that wouldn't be it. And look, without Jamie Chadwell, he was not nearly as good this year. That that, that yeah. Jamie Chadwell offense suited him perfectly, and he had his least productive season this year. Um, but somebody's going to take a chance on him. So uh, Hank Bachmeyer, you remember that name? He was a starter at Boise State, and then he got benched at Boise State, and he transferred to Louisiana Tech, and that has been a bit of a disaster this season. And he is expected to go the Group of Five or FCS route after this. Here's a name that is fascinating to me. Tyler Shuck, Texas Tech. He took some big hits early in the season. He has had trouble staying healthy in his time at Texas Tech. But when healthy, he's a pretty good quarterback. And that's a name that will be fascinating to watch. We wanted to stay in the state of Texas. UTSA is going to need a new quarterback after the departure of Frank Harris, who's been there for seven years. What do you guys make of Tyler Van Dyke at Miami? Good player, but I just feel like he's, for lack of a better word, kind of mid. Good, but but not great. Now so, that's not to say that I mean, if, if you're Mississippi State and, and Tyler Van Dyke is where you end up, you're probably pretty happy. You know, yeah. he, he can get the job done. But I, I think you would that, that would again that would not be the first choice. He threw twelve interceptions this season. Ten of those came in a four game stretch that. 
had Miami lose three or four games. Go figure. You turn the ball over, and it's hard to win football games. Nebraska and Kentucky are thought to be potential landing spots for uh, for Tyler Van Dyke going forward. Where do you think Will Rogers ends up, hey, Dad? I, I know you've thrown Western Kentucky out as a possibility a couple of times because of the offense that they run. Mm-hmm. I, I've said that, and I think the other real option that I've heard a few times is Southern Mississippi, uh, mm-hmm. that he could go down, stay in the state, play with his brother, Luke, who's an offensive lineman down there. And, uh, I mean, Southern Mississippi is a school that, I mean, they desperately need stability at the quarterback position. Rodgers could give them that. And then there's Will Howard at uh, Kansas State. Led Kansas State to a Big 12 title last year. He is considered to be the top player in the transfer portal. Dual threat quarterback, 24 touchdowns through the air, nine more on the ground this year. How interesting is Will Howard in a Jeff Levy offense? Interesting. Interesting. Can make plays with his feet. Got a, got the good arm. Um, I saw a tweet right after he went into the portal that said Levy would be interested in him, that the, the kind of offense that Chris Kleiman runs is kind of a very conservative version of what uh, Jeff Levy guys are on, on with a ton of play action which, you know, Levy likes to do as well. So I would think if, if, if Will Howard is interested, Jeff Levy would be interested as well. Um, Cam Ward, I don't think that's official yet. Cameron Ward at Washington State rumored to be going in the portal and saw a story yesterday that said he had, what, half a dozen, ten offers of seven figures? Mm-hmm. He's good. He's good, but He's good. I don't. I don't know if I'm asking the Bulldog Initiative to write a two-comma check to him. And uh, yeah, I mean, it, with how competitive it is, maybe Exciting you can't player. be picky. Maybe you. Maybe you got to go get who, who you can get. And if you can get a high high-level quarterback, you, you because of how competitive it is, you can't be choosy. But man, when I saw that, I thought. There are guys that are worth a million, million five out there to play quarterback for your team that can lead you to a championship. I don't think he's that guy. Did you guys realize that both Ken Seals and A.J. Swan are in the portal at Vanderbilt? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.J. Swan is not going to be your million-dollar quarterback. He is not. You get him in the right system, though, I think you got something. Think think about the disadvantage that he played with every single week. He had worse players on his side in basically every game he's played, and significantly worse in the conference games. And he still shows you that he's got something. Yeah. EJ Warner is an interesting name. He does not have a big arm, but he is very accurate. That's the quarterback at Temple the last couple of seasons. He was really good a year ago as a freshman. Over uh, over two years at Temple, throws for over 6,100 yards with 41 touchdowns. Um, kind of a football film junkie. Uh, it's obviously a group of five quarterback that's going to be out there. And, and I don't mean for Mississippi State. I mean just in terms of a a name. Uh, Gary Bohannon is a guy that's played a lot of football but has battled injuries. You remember he was at Baylor, uh, then transferred to USF, and uh, is now looking for another home. It's hard to believe he's still got eligibility, but that's uh, that's kind of where we are. Um, 
Any other name? Obviously, K.J. Jefferson's name is out there. So the reports yesterday was that he was headed into the transfer portal, and then he went to Instagram, I think, and put a picture up and said he had not made a decision yet. Here's the thing about that. I know it's splitting hairs. If you haven't made a decision yet, you're in the transfer portal. You're in the portal. If you haven't decided that you're staying at your school, it's not stopping people from contacting you anyway. As as we've discussed multiple times today, I promise you, he's getting courted or whatever by multiple places. So just because he's not quote-unquote in the portal doesn't mean anything. It, I know that's splitting hairs, but if you haven't decided yet, if you haven't come out and said, I'm a Razorback, I'm coming back, you're in the portal. You are. You're, you're getting calls. You're, you're fielding offers. That's how it works. Would Grayson McCall make sense in Gus Malzahn's offense at UCF? Yes. Yes. Like, 100%. like in Oxford mentioned that. There's some similarity yeah. in his game and John Rice Plumley's game. A little bit better passer than, than 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 John Rice. Not as good. I don't didn't say as good a runner though. Yeah. I I would agree with that. We'll wrap it up with you coming up next. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and the Supertalk uh, and Super Talk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Come on, Super Talk Mississippi. <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Visit them online at genteelapparel.com. Order online and get free shipping on all orders over $150, and you can get 10% off just by entering your email address. They've got uh, outerwear. If you're looking for some uh, some nice vests or uh, or jackets, they've got you covered on those great pants. Great shirts, great quarter zips. Hey, Dad will attest to the softness of their new quarter zip pullover. Very nice. Uh, pullover hoodie. Quarter zip pullover hoodie. He said it yes. felt softer than a baby's behind. I think that's what he said yes. yesterday. Uh, that's uh, correct. Check them out at uh, men's specialty stores all across the southeast or online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel, the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. My wife, uh, yes, she uh, she she saw my my new shirts and she was going through them and she wanted to pass something along because I was sort of explaining what they were and, and she was like that that's not charcoal is what you refer to that shirt as charcoal that is not charcoal she wanted us to know that yeah it's, it's, a, it's a lighter a gray, gray than that but that's what they call it yeah. so I, I mean I didn't so. come up with the color I'm not the color her, police her OCD combined with what she does for a living hit us and she she was very adamant that it was not charcoal. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> that's what they, they call also, it. I thought I told her I was like, that's what they call it. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that at least gets me in the ballpark. I know that charcoal is darker than than that. Yeah. It's more of a steel gray than a charcoal gray. 
Um, you know, I like that though. Steel. Yeah. Col- I mean, what color is that shirt? Steel. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Like, yeah. See, that's if, what they can go with. If I'm getting a shirt and I, I struggle with colors sometimes, and so I'll sometimes look at the tag and it says the color is cirrus. <laughs> I'm assuming that means some sort of a light blue, but I really don't know. I mean, that could be, that could be, uh, you know, could be anything. It could be lavender, and I, I wouldn't know the difference. So um, I appreciate it when they at least get me close with the actual name. Uh, I know that we are very much still in football mode. Transfer portal, new coach in Starkville, Ole Miss waiting to figure out where the bowl destination is. Championship games coming up this weekend. The basketball season is heating up. And as Michael Borky has said on multiple occasions, he's more excited about basketball than he has been in a long time. Like, legitimately yep. excited. And we've got reason to be, right? you got Mississippi State in the top 25. I know a tough loss last night, but they're going to be fine. They'll be fine. Ole Miss played, I think, better than anybody expected them to play last night. I don't. Yeah. I, I think we could have taken a poll of every Ole Miss fan – or basketball fan that was at the Connerly Trophy presentation last night, and I don't think anybody of the few hundred that were there would have predicted that Ole Miss was beating NC State in basketball by 20 last night. And never trailing. And never trailing in the game, but that's what they did. There's a lot of reason to be excited. You don't have Ole Miss playing tonight. You don't have Mississippi State playing tonight. But, man, have you got some good basketball on TV. About 15 minutes away from tip-off at the Smith Center in Chapel Hill between number 10 Tennessee and number 17 North Carolina. Tennessee is 4-2 and two on the year. Their two losses are to number one and number two. They've got a loss to Purdue and a loss to Kansas. <laughs> not really hurting their net ranking. Not bad. Not bad. No. No, not bad. And I think both on neutral courts. So uh, they're going to be just yeah. fine. Number 14 Texas A&M is at Virginia. That's at 6.15 on ESPN2. Florida and Wake Forest on ESPNU. Duke at Arkansas, number seven at Arkansas. And Arkansas's had a little bit of a struggle so far this year. Razorbacks are four and three. Eric Musselman's teams tend to get better as the uh, as the season goes along. Razorbacks have wins over Alcorn State, Gardner-Webb, and Old Dominion, and also Stanford. And they've got losses to UNC Greensboro and Memphis and North Carolina. Bud Walton is going to be absolutely rocking tonight with Duke in town. Yeah. Duke, by the way, is a four-and-a-half-point favorite in the game. Should be fun. We're only a month away, basically, from what the SEC season getting started, too. So, I mean, yeah, you're won't be long. Absolutely right. Won't be long. Uh, absolutely right. Boston College at Vanderbilt, Georgia at Florida State, Virginia Tech at Auburn, all of those games coming up this Wednesday night involving SEC teams. Yeah. And then and we've got the women's uh, ACC-SEC challenge uh, tonight as well. That's right. Uh, Mississippi State hosting uh, Miami. And, uh, is Ole Miss at Louisville? Uh, yeah, are they hosting? Yes. Is that right? Or is that in Oxford? I'm not sure. Uh, no, I no, think no, you no, would know uh, if it was in Oxford. It, no, it's in Oxford. It's in Oxford. It's in Oxford? Uh, so both yeah. both both Mississippi teams here are hosting. There you go. Thanks for being with us. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Have a great Wednesday night. For Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Good night.
Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.